you, mate. Well, first of all, super grateful to be here. Um, I loved our last session. It was really great. What I loved most about it was all the engagement, all the questions. I always start, as I'm sure most of you do when you take your sessions, um, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Absolutely no such thing. Um, there'll always be a reason and there'll always be a good answer and there'll always be someone else that wants to know the same thing you do. So ask as many questions as you can, engage as much as you can and you'll get the most out of it. But for those that didn't catch the last session, my name is Johnny Lawrence and uh, I'm better known these days as a self-development coach. And the reason that is, is because some point during lockdown, I made the decision to myself that I was going to help as many people as I can with their self-development. And the reason I've done that is for two reasons. First of all, I've spent a great deal of time, money and effort educating myself in all aspects of self-development, um, from doing courses to working with clients, to doing seminars and to paying to spend time with people who I feel I can learn a lot from. And then generally just learning from people along the way, such as my clients. But the big part of that that really informs my education is my experience. And a wise person once said to me, when education meets experience, it creates wisdom. I'll let you be the judge of that by the end of the session. But my experience is one of, unfortunately, I grew up um, as a witness to domestic violence and a survivor of physical child abuse. And that caused me a lot of trauma in my life, as you can imagine. It also led me to become an addict. I, I, I had an issue or problematic relationship with alcohol, which was there for a long, long time to help suppress the trauma. And it did that for a while, but eventually um, it becomes very difficult to manage something like that. I wasn't an alcoholic. I drank a lot of the weekend, but I did drink a lot of the weekends. Um, I used to believe I did this to suppress trauma, uh, to forget, to run away from what was going on in my head. But actually, I've recently found through, um, through sobriety that I did that to connect with my feelings. So what I ended up having to do was learn a different way. And that's what I've done through self-development. I've gone through a really, really big journey. And what that's done is it's given birth to something called the Super Self Program, which is an aspect of what we're doing today. Um, last time we looked at, at values. Um, values are very important. If For those that didn't catch it last time, my belief is, and what I've seen within myself and others, is that values are your foundation. Now, we know that we would never build a house on grass because it would fall down. So we always build a nice, solid foundation before we plonk a house on top of it. And that is what your value system is. Your value system is what you believe to be right and wrong in life. And that will guide your every decision, whether you want it to or not. The thing about values is that over life, they do change values do change as things happen in our life. So do our values have to adjust and adapt to that. And your values will always inform what your purpose is. You know, um, obviously people that follow a purpose that doesn't align with their values, we get some way down the line, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and they'll find themselves deeply unhappy and not know why. And that is because their values don't align with their purpose most of the time. Um, obviously it can be more complex than that. And there's very, variations and degrees to it but that is the general principle of it but before you get anywhere near your purpose this will always come up limiting beliefs i would love everybody here to put their hands up uh, in the little you know the little hand thing you can do on zoom just put your hands up if you've suffered from any sort of limiting belief before in your life i'd be very surprised if yeah, there you go good <laughs> uh good we're in the right place <laughs> Uh, limiting beliefs are, are really, really challenging. 
because in essence, for you to put your hand up today, you know it's a limiting belief and you know what a limiting belief is, but yet you still believe it. How complicated is that? That's a very tricky thing to understand. So the first thing I want to clarify before we move forward is what is a belief? So first of all, a belief is the state of mind in which a person thinks something is the case with or without there being empirical evidence to prove that something is the case with factual certainty. It's a belief. It is not a fact. That's the first thing I would like you to understand. Beliefs are not facts. They are beliefs. They are things that you believe to be true without evidence. So that's really, really important. So if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write that at the top of the page because that is very important to know that this is not a fact. It can be challenged. And if it can be challenged, it can be changed. So what's a limiting belief? Well, a limiting belief are thoughts, opinions that one believes to be the absolute truth. That's what's important about this. Doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It's a thought, it's an opinion, but you believe it to be true. You believe it to be absolutely true. One of the things that always, it always gets me whenever I deal with my clients is that someone has a limiting belief that is holding them back. They know it's holding them back, but if you challenge it, they will aggressively defend it every single time. Because what that means is, oh, I've wasted this much of my life believing in this. I can't handle that. I have always done, I'm going to carry on doing this because I've always done it. It's the kind of logic we feed ourselves at all times, you know? It's not right or wrong, and there's no judgment there. It's just an observation that I've made over time. They tend to have a negative impact on one's life by stopping them from moving forward and growing on a personal and professional level. Limiting beliefs in, in a personal life might be, um, I can't speak to my partner about this because they will do this. I, I can't be a good mum. I can't be a good dad. I can't do this, I can't do that. In work, it might be something like, um, I can't become manager because I'm not smart enough. Something like that, you know? And it will be really simple, really, really simple most of the time, but it will be something that you think is an absolute truth and it will hold you back. So that's what's important. A belief is a belief, not a fact, but a limiting belief is something that holds you back, that has to be there for it to be a limiting belief. What causes a limiting belief? Well, limiting beliefs are usually knowingly or unknowingly passed down to us or onto us by parents, teachers, uh -oh, <laughs> uh, important family figures or people that we hold in authoritative roles. We accept these beliefs at an impressionable age and through the lens of trust and truth. And they become beliefs that we rarely question and most often begin to accept as fact. So there's a few things in here. Firstly, there's no when you discover your limiting belief, if at some point during this session, you realize it's been passed down to you by your parents, please do not ring them and tell them that you hate them because they passed you a limiting belief because it's very likely they didn't do it on purpose. It's very likely that it was passed on to them by somebody else. Um, so as we say, it's, it's parents, it's teachers, it's important family figures. I, someone that was very important in my life was my uncle. He was somebody who was really cool. I later come to realize he was a bit of a womanizer and bit of a scumbag to be honest but that was uh through the eyes of the child um authoritative roles you know if we hold someone in authority a lot of people trust policemen or police people um you know they don't question it because they're in an authoritative role um but obviously just like any human beings we can have people that are not so good um in life as policemen or police people whatever you want to call them um 
We accept these beliefs at impressionable age. Most limiting beliefs are given to us when we're questioning the world. We're trying to work out what's what, how things work, what, what we should and shouldn't do. And then when we look to our parents, we look to teachers at school, um, we look to you know, authority figures to get the answers. And we do that through trust and truth. We trust them. We have no reason to not trust them. So we trust them and we believe what they tell us is true. And then after time, we start to just accept it as a fact. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is why, you know, this happens and things like that. So it's important to know that really when it was given to you, when it was given to you, you had no choice but to accept it as truth. And that's why it feels true. That's why it feels like a fact. The other part of it is if we believe it to be true, why would we question it? We wouldn't, you know? So therefore it never gets questioned. And then it becomes a limiting belief that we know is holding us back but we say stuff like that's just the way it is. No, it's not. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be that way. But it's scary to challenge a limiting belief. It's terrifying. I said to Charlie before this, usually this is week three of the super self program. And by this point, we've done values and then we've done purpose and then we move on to limiting belief. This is always the week, the important week, because you might have learned what your values are and you might feel like you've got your moral compass and your foundation. You might know what your purpose is and know which way you're going. So you've got your compass and you know what direction you're going in. Limiting beliefs will be the thing that holds you back. At some point they will come up and they will tell you, you can't do this. What are you thinking? And then all of a sudden shame comes in and you start feeling a bit silly and you start questioning yourself and you start getting embarrassed and stuff like that. Um, hands up again, anybody that's had something that they wanted to do, but they've been so embarrassed to tell anybody. Yeah. Too embarrassed to tell anybody, even though you really believe you can do it. And in some cases, people will go their whole life and not achieve it because they were too embarrassed to do it, which is, I think is really, really a shame. Um, thing about it is, I like to use this analogy, right? Are you running someone else's software? Because the way I look at it is your body is the hardware and your core values and, and your belief systems are the software that you run. A nice way to think about that is like a phone, right? So new features come onto phones, new apps, and your phone requires an update and it needs the software updated. But tell me what happens when your phone doesn't perform an update. Over days, it stops working, apps start closing on you, things don't get done and things just don't work anymore because your phone needs an update. It needs an update. The phone is the hardware. The software is what makes it work. Otherwise, it's just a phone, just a block of something, you know? And it's the same with us as human beings. As humans, our body is our hardware, but our value system and our belief system and our core values, they are the software that we run. So what happens when we don't update our software? Well, we stop working. Things don't quite go the same as they used to. You know, old things that used to feel really easy don't feel easy anymore. They feel challenging. All of a sudden you feel nervous about doing something you've always done, you know, because your value system changes over time. But what happens? Life shifts. Things like having children, you know, I'm 42 years old now and I can tell you for absolutely sure that my value system has to be different to what it was when I was 20, right? Because at 20 years old, I could go out all night, drink loads of alcohol, maybe not even go to bed and still go to work the next day. If I had a dream about that now, I'd feel awful <laughs> because I can't do anything anywhere near that anymore, you know? So our value systems have to change when we have children, when we have jobs, when we have things that are important in our life, we have to make different decisions. We have to change. We have to value things differently, you know? And what happens sometimes is some people either refuse or don't 
update their values. What I usually find is it happens around them big zero birthdays, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. We reflect more because it's a big birthday and everyone makes a big fuss out of it. But the things that you value when you're 30 will most likely not be the things you value when you're 40 and so on and so on. So we must update our values. Ideally, you do them every year. I do it. I try to anyway, every birthday. I try to look at how the year's gone from what, what was I saying to myself last birthday? What was important to me? What did I want to achieve? Did I achieve it? Why didn't I achieve it? If I did achieve it, why did I achieve it? All of these things inform how I am, who I am, what I'm becoming, what's important to me now. I've looked at things on a birthday and gone, why the heck did I think that was important? It wasn't important at all, you know, which means my values have changed, you know, as my children grow up. And their, their life's changed and the things they want to do and the experiences they have. My values change along with theirs because what's important to them becomes important to me. The same with my wife and the same with my friends and my family. And I have to stay on top of that because otherwise I'm doing things out with an outdated value system. And that will usually lead to unhappiness at some point. Why do we challenge limiting beliefs? Um, well, you can become aware of these beliefs. Um, just by simply challenging them or becoming acknowledging them. Awareness is always the first step to change. Awareness is always the first step to change. If you're, if you're not aware of something, you don't know to change it. So awareness is always the first step to change. Becoming aware of these beliefs means once you know that it's something you don't want, you can't unknow that. You can't unknow it. Um, you can prepare for the possibility of these beliefs leading to self-sabotage, you know? If you don't want to do something, guess what? There's going to be a part of you that tries to stop you from doing it. There always will be, you know? Why is this so hard today? Why, why am I feeling like this? Because you don't want to do it. It's always simple. The answer is usually really, really simple. Um, to develop strategies to overcome these beliefs. Again, if you don't know what they are, how can, you, how can you prepare for them? How can you start developing strategies to get you through it? A simple thing might be that um, you might come from a family where everybody considers themselves to be overweight and they say stuff like we're bit boned or we can't lose weight. We can't do this. And they, they, they sell that to themselves and they sell it to the, their children and the people around them. And over time um, that becomes a belief system for them that they simply cannot do it. So when they start to try to lose weight, maybe they've decided that's what they want to do. Their belief system won't allow them to believe that they can, which can always be a really, really difficult moment. For somebody um, to practice catching these beliefs as they occur and replacing them with new growth beliefs because that's something that I like to say if we can have a limiting belief we can also have a growth belief think of a limiting belief as a record that gets played all the time yeah so maybe it's a sad song that makes you feel sad all the time we can replace that with a growth belief which is a happier song a song that makes you feel happy, that makes you feel like you can go out and do things. If you can believe in a limiting belief, you can also believe in the growth belief too. But the growth belief has to be based in truth. You know, there's no good telling yourself you can fly because you probably can't fly. <laughs> so it's really important that we choose the growth belief that is going to help us. Quite honestly, it's usually the complete opposite to what your limiting belief is. Um, so a growth belief, a limiting belief is something that limits you and stops you from moving forward. A growth belief is something that propels you forward and helps you grow by definition. So <clears throat> what can we do about limiting beliefs? 
if you've worked with me before, you'll know I like to I like to make everything sound as simple and as easy to remember as I can. So I come up with something called the three C's method. C, the first C is clarify. Clarify your limiting beliefs. What is it? What is your limiting belief? I'm not smart enough. My first question to you will be not smart enough for what? That will be my first question. You've been telling yourself for a long time that you are not smart enough. Fine. What are you not smart enough for? You know, and then after that, there'll be another question until we get to where we want to get when we understand what it is. We have to clarify what that limiting belief is before we can do anything about it. The second C is to challenge it. Challenge why these limiting beliefs are not true. Now, we can sit there all day long and come up with reasons why they are true. That's what we always do. Right. But why aren't they true? And at first, that will feel really, really hard to do. It really will. It will feel really, really difficult. But if I say to you, okay, what is your limiting belief? And you tell me it's that I'm not smart enough. And I asked you not smart enough for what? Now, are, you know, that's, that's a massive range, right? Are you not smart enough to open a, a bottle of milk? You know, yeah, of course I am, Johnny. Well, great, good. So we know you're smart enough for that. What else are you smart enough for? You know, and we'll find the things that we can do, not the things that we can't do. So we challenge it. We start to challenge this limiting belief. We know what it is, and now we're going to challenge it. So once, we've, once we know what it is, once we've clarified it, once we started challenging it, and we've got a nice little list of things and reasons why it can't be true, the last thing we want to do is change it. Change these beliefs by setting yourself free and replacing them with growth beliefs that you would prefer to be true instead. Because what these are are preferences, right? If you're not smart enough, maybe it turns into something like, I'm smart enough to do the work and prepare to make sure that I can get this thing that I need done. Because at the end of the day, you know, we can sit there and say, I'm not smart enough, I'm not smart enough. But why we're wasting our time telling us that we could be preparing for the thing that we want to be smart for. What I always encourage people to do, and I'm sure you guys do it too, is we mind map. I love a mind map. Put limiting beliefs in the middle and just start writing stuff. Just put stuff down. Some of it you might not even, at the end, you might look at it and go, oh, that's nonsense. That's fine. Just put it down anyway. It doesn't matter. Because one thing about self-development, I'll tell you from the offset, is there is never any wrong or right answers. Only the answer that you feel to be true or something that, that gives you a feeling that you're moving forward. So there's no such thing as right or wrong answers. I get clients saying all the time, I didn't know what the right answer was. Well, it's whatever you want to write. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, that happens to be the truth. I can never tell anybody else what the right answers are for their life because it's their life. And that's why I believe. My belief is, and the whole principle of the Super Self program is that all of the answers are already inside you. You know, deep down in your heart, what the answer is. It's most, most often it's because it's scary. It's because it's difficult. It's because it's overwhelming that you're just ignoring it. You're just ignoring it. Most people, when we get to the end of the Super Self program, they look at me and they say, it was all so obvious. And I say, yeah, it was until it was, you know, it wasn't until it was, you know, but they've always got the answers. I might highlight a few things along the way, but they are the people that find the answers because they've got them. So the free seeds method. Here's a little example of it. So be clarify. What is your limiting belief? I'm not smart enough. What are you not smart enough for? Challenge um, beliefs that fit, may feel like factual certainty, but they can change. What is the evidence to prove that these beliefs are not uh, to be untrue? I'm not smart enough to apply for this job. When was the last time that you believed you were not smart enough and you were? Let's start there. 
Yeah, there's always going to be an occasion in everybody's life where they didn't think they could do something. They got there and they were quite surprised that it was actually they, they were able to do it or even that it was quite easy. You know, we've all got them examples and it's important. It's so important that we find these examples because it starts to build that confidence. It's very easy for someone to say, oh, I'm not smart enough. And someone go, OK, here go. Here he goes. The woo woo self-development coach is going to start sprouting some positivity towards me. But if we find the evidence, all of a sudden that does that goes from positivity and nonsense to facts. Now, we said at the beginning, beliefs are not facts. So when we start finding facts, guess what? I know as teachers, we, we like facts. We like evidence. You know, so it's a good thing. We're starting to build that confidence. <clears throat> Limiting beliefs. Oh, wait a second. I've got the drop down thing in front of it. Limiting beliefs, beliefs that hold you back and encourage limits. I'm not smart enough to apply for this job as an example as a limiting belief. Growth beliefs, beliefs that propel you forward by encouraging growth. I'm smart enough to research, prepare and apply for that job. It's important as well that when we talk about things that we want to do, when we talk about uh, I don't know, manifestations or creating the, the, the future that we want, it's really important that we include the work. I hear a lot of coaches these days saying that we're going to manifest it. We're going to ask for things in the mirror. And I get that. I understand that. And in some cases, I encourage it. But without the work, it's never going to happen. I can sell you all day long that I'm going to win the lottery ticket, uh, win the lottery. But if I don't buy a ticket, I will not win. So uh, there's always an action attached to what we want to do. There is always an action. And most often, people will read about something. They will talk about something. They'll watch all the programs about it, but they will not do anything. And that is the difference. We have to take action. Action's important. Sorry. Um, earlier on, I offered some worksheets out. Um, hopefully you guys got them. If not, sorry, Charlie, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, and what I've given you here is something that's there for clarifying and changing. So there's a whole bunch of questions attached to this that you can answer. So what is your limiting belief evidence why it's untrue? And then what we're going to do on the other sheet is you're going to start coming up with growth beliefs, things that you'd prefer to be true instead. This is a really helpful exercise um, because it starts to get the things on paper. When things become paper, all of a sudden, these growth beliefs are not just things floating around in your head. They're here. There's something you can hold. There's something that's real, something tangible that you can actually do something with. Plus, it's really interesting. We say stuff to ourselves and then a little bit later when we check in with ourselves, it's changed a little bit. You know, we've moved the goalposts because we started to get scared about what we've committed to. So it's really good to have something down on paper and read it exactly as you wrote it when you felt passionate about it. That's very, very important too. Uh, another thing I like to do here is the clarify, challenge and change conversion sheet. What this does here is it in the clarifying section, it gets you to write down what your limiting belief is and it gets you to be specific and provide details, you know. Once we clarify, you know, again, if we wrote in there, I am not smart, why are you not smart enough for? You might find yourself, you don't think you're smart enough to pass a certain exam, or you're not smart enough to take your driving test, or you're not smart enough to do ABC, whatever it is, you know? And it's good to get that information down because that thing then changes from I'm not smart enough to I'm not, I believe I'm not smart enough to, and then a specific um, thing that you're not smart enough to do. Um, challenge, why is this untrue? What is the worst? Thing that can happen you know it's really important to understand that because actually most of the time it's not as bad as you think it's going to be you know you might have this real catastrophization but actually when you think about it at the end of it really what difference does it make 
You know, what actual difference does it make? What is it going to change? What is it going to make not happen? Um, change. What would I prefer to be true instead? Let's just start there. You know, I'm not smart enough. Well, what would you prefer to be true instead? Well, I'd like to be smart enough to be able to pass my driving test. Right, good. Now we can start preparing for that. We can start doing the things that are needed, taking the actions that are needed to get ourselves smart, to, smart enough to take our driving test. And then we're going to write this. Why is this true? Why is it true? That should be pretty simple because it'll be an action. Well, you either do it or you don't do it, right? And if you're passionate and you're committed, you'll do it. You will do it because you want to do that. You don't want to do the other thing. Some of the things that hold us back, um, all wrapped up in our limiting beliefs, very often is shame. Now, shame, I don't know if anybody here um, knows Brene Brown's work. I love Brene Brown. I think she's amazing. And I think that the research that she puts into shame and vulnerability is just amazing. Um, if anyone hasn't heard of her, I would encourage you to read her books. It's a bit of a game changer. She researches these things for a living. So again, lots and lots of evidence. And she's literally interviewed millions and millions of people. Um, she came up with this concept, shame, one, two, three. It's really important this. It's really important that you understand what shame is. So the first one is we all have it. Every single one of us here has experienced shame or has shame right now about something. There's something in this, in this uh, sphere that if we started talking about, it, you wouldn't be able to talk about it. You wouldn't want to talk about it. It'd make you feel uncomfortable. So we all have it. Shame is universal and one of the most primitive human emotions that we experience. I um, have a podcast called the Self-Development Podcast, and I spoke to a chap named Malachi Dunn, and he told me that there's a theory that shame is a primal instinct that was there to keep us safe. And an example he gave me was a very, very long time ago when we roamed the earth, there were predators that were able to kill us. Yeah. If I'm wandering through the woods and a pack of wolves descends upon me, I don't stand a chance. I'm going to get killed by these wolves and that's the end of me. So what we realized as, as, a, as pack animals, as human beings, is that it was safer for us to stay together. To stay together as a group, we would be safer. But as us humans tend to do, we start to occasionally, as we start to do well, as we start to excel at things, as people start to tell us how good we are at something, we start to think we're a little bit better than other people. We might even think we don't need other people, we might want to step away from the group. And shame is there to tell us, you're not better than them. Who do you think you are? You're not better than them. Get back with the group where it's safe. That's what shame does. It's primitive. That's what it was there for originally anyway. But now we live in a world with iPhones and internet and all sorts of things going on. And that message is just getting confused. So it's important to remember that although shame can be unhelpful, it is necessary. It sometimes puts us back in a box. I can think of many occasions in my life where shame stopped me from shaming myself, basically. So it's very important that we understand that it is the primitive human emotion that we experience. Um, we're all afraid to talk about shame. That's its trick. That's its trick is that we're ashamed of something, but we won't talk about it because we're ashamed about it. And the thing is, we're really good as human beings at selling ourselves something and then buying it too. So we sell ourselves this idea of something and then we buy it too. And we become our own counsel. We start telling ourselves what we shouldn't or should do. So we don't talk to anybody else. So we just continue this perpetual cycle of shame. 
I feel shame because of this. Yep, you should feel shame because that's really awful. That's really terrible. You don't deserve that. You're not good enough. You're not as good as that person. That person's better than you. And then we feed all that into ourselves. We wind ourselves up and guess what? We ain't going to tell anyone about that. Why would we? We're going to keep it a secret instead. We're going to shine up our Instagram and look really good. But inside we're dying, right? <laughs> inside we hate ourselves, you know? But our Instagram looks good, right? You know, that's shame. That is shame at, at, at its finest. Uh, number three. The less we talk about shame, the more control it has over our lives. If we don't talk about it, it just keeps controlling us. We keep acting out of our own shame. We just keep everything we do, every action, every decision, every choice comes through that lens of shame. You know, I can't do that because of this. So I, I just won't do it. I won't try, you know. So it's really, really important that we understand that. Uh, the next thing is vulnerability. Now, I love this quote. Love is vulnerability, I believe. It's the ultimate vulnerability because love is giving someone the power to destroy you, but trusting them not to. That's quite a good quote, that. It's one of my favourites. I heard it first from Simon Sinek. You know, love is giving someone the power to destroy you, but trusting them not to. So that's a really good definition of vulnerability. And if you're going to get past your limiting beliefs, if you're going to overcome shame, you're going to have to be vulnerable. Now, I like to think of vulnerability as like a, there's a pit full of snakes and there's a whole load of gold in there. You really want the gold, but you're scared of snakes, you know? So you know you've got to go in that snake pit for that gold. You really, really want it, but you're scared of snakes. Another way of looking at it is it's like a big thorn bush, right? On the other side of that thorn bush is this beautiful field or beach that you want to go to. And you're asking people, hey, how do I get to that beach? They go, yeah, you've got to go through the bush. You know, you've got to get the forms, you've got to go for it. But when you get there, it'll be worth it. You know, that's vulnerability. It hurts like hell when you're being vulnerable. Every part of you tells yourself not to do it. Don't tell them that. They're going to judge you. They're going to do this. But it's only then that you open up, you tell someone you're vulnerable. And then they say this to you. They say, yeah, I feel like that too. And all of a sudden, that relief comes in. You know, you've been vulnerable and it's been accepted. You know, because let's face it, we're most likely not going to be vulnerable with someone we don't think is receiving it very well, not receptive to it. We're not going to walk up to someone we think is just going to laugh at us or something like that. We most likely will feel that urge in that vulnerable moment to talk to someone because there's something that's telling us that they can accept that about you or whatever it is that you've got to say. Vulnerability is speaking your shame and your pain. It's the antidote to trauma and limiting beliefs you know just by telling me what your limiting belief is we've started the process in fact i would encourage people if they want to to write in the chat one of their limiting beliefs i think that would be really good for you to do that you don't have to but i think it'll be a really good thing for you to do write in the chat what are your limiting beliefs it's the gateway to healing and transformation because it is like this limiting belief will not go away until you do something about it. It will always hold you back. It will always stop you from doing what you want to do because you don't believe you can do it. And we see that in our kids all the time, right? We see our kids coming back and it's amazing. I bet you nail the advice when it comes to the kids, right? But you give them all the best advice that you can. Oh, you can do this. This is why you can do it. This is, this is good. So-and-so couldn't do it. And now look at them. You've got all of that. But when it comes to yourself, shame, lockdown, not going to talk about it. Don't want to hear your opinion. Too scary. No, thank you. 
involves too much vulnerability, you know? So a little bit of uh, take our own medicine sometimes. I'm guilty of it too. Absolutely, I'm guilty of it too. I'll sit here all night and spout all this self-development. Then literally the second I come off here, I'll do something that contradicts what I've just said. You know, that is the gift and the curse of being a coach and a teacher, I'm sure. Um, so Charlie, thank you for that. I'm a terrible public speaker. We all know that's not true, don't we, Charlie? <laughs> we all know that's not true. I had you on the podcast a little while ago, so I know that's not true. But I absolutely believe that you believe that, you know? The question is to, to you is what are you going to do about it? You know, what can you do about it? How, how can you clarify, challenge and change that? Matter of fact, Charlie, do you mind talking about that? No, that's good. Yeah. So talk to me about being a terrible speaker. Um, I think it's nervous. This is, this is the most ironic thing in the world, right? Uh, <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I know. I don't know where it comes from. Um, I think it's nerves of speaking in front of people. Um, I, st I still get this to the day. If I'm in a group, if I'm in front of a group of ten of my friends, it's the eyes. It's the eyes looking at you, which makes absolutely no sense as a teacher or a coach mm -hmm. or actually any career choice I've ever made. <laughs> but it's you know, it's uh, I guess in terms of like challenging it, it's I think doing more of it to be honest. Mm. And I've got plans to go into local schools and deliver some talks, which I'm I'm putting off a little bit. I won't lie. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's the deep end approach. Yeah. What's the worst thing that could happen? Oh, getting laughed at. Then what? Going bright red. Then what? Stumbling my words. Then what? Getting laughed at more. <laughs> what would happen if you just said, I'm really nervous, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling my words. What, what would happen then? What, how would you feel if someone did that? I don't know. Bit Not sorry for them, but understanding of them. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would understand. Engaged. More engaged yeah. in what they've got to say, probably. I remember speaking to an influencer once um, as a client, and she had to do a TED talk. And I, she was terrified. And do you know what she was scared of? She was scared of walking up on stage and falling over. Totally get that. You know, as a principal, you totally understand why that would just be horrifying for her. You know, she'd spent however long memorizing this speech. She wanted it to be perfect. She knows it's going to be on YouTube and she gets up there and she falls over. So I, I offered her a different perspective. I said, okay, this happens. You get up there, you fall over and everybody laughs at you. What if you stood up and you said, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I just fell over. <laughs> everyone would laugh again because you just owned it. And then guess what would happen then? Probably be a really, really, really well-watched thing because people go, oh, I want to watch that. TED talk with that lady that fell over then they would watch your talk and realize that your talk was brilliant and that you fell over at the beginning was just an added extra you know mm. opportunity can come from things like that you know now I know Charlie that you're a good speaker you know especially when you're passionate about something which let's face it most people won't agree to speak about something they're not that they don't know about or not passionate about so I would love to know next time we speak what you have done about that and if the answer is I've done more public speaking, then brilliant, you know, because let's face it, anyone that's used to public speaking, there's not a time that you just get up there and you're not nervous before public speaking. I was watching something with The Rock the other day, you know, Dwayne Johnson, one of the most successful people in the world. He still gets nervous before he goes out and talks and public and does acting jobs and things like that. The Rock, who oozes confidence, still gets nervous. 
So what does that tell you? It's all part of the process. You should be nervous. You should be nervous before you talk because it's important. And you, that, that nervousness is actually respect for your audience, I think. You know, if you're not nervous, how would you feel about someone who walks in and goes, ah, I don't care about that. It's fine. I don't mind. You'd think a little, you'd have a few unkind thoughts about them, probably. <laughs> probably start thinking of, thinking of them in a, in a less desirable way, you know. Um, another few of them here. Um, I don't like like picking people out. I pick on Charlie because I know he's all right with it. But, but a couple of them here is I'm not good enough. My first question would be what, Charlie? Not good enough for what? <laughs> that would be my first question. Um, that's it at the end of the world when plans don't go to plan outside of school. Uh, yep, I think it's here. Yep, uh, that, that, yeah, you have, a, you have a session plan, if that's what you mean, and it doesn't go according to plan. You know, but I bet you if we asked the kids, they wouldn't, first of all, they wouldn't have noticed. And second of all, maybe that detour taught them something, you know, maybe it was a question that was asked that he wasn't prepared for. And it, it inspired a debate in the room that got some really interesting perspectives. You know, there's always, there's always something you can take away from stuff like that. Vulnerability goes hand in hand with courage. Absolutely. Totally agree. Right. Um, next slide. So tools for staying with difficult emotions. So. It's my belief that there's a difference between thinking and feeling, thinking versus feeling. Quite often, I believe that we can think a feeling into a problem. So staying with the original feeling instead of avoiding thinking, judging or identifying with it. <clears throat> this is really important. OK, this is something I discovered in my sobriety because what I, what I realized is in the first week that I was trying to go sober, now I've been sober, we've been December, it will be two years. And on the first week, I nailed it. No problem. I can do this. Yeah, it's easy. Don't need a drink. That was week one. Week two, my wife said to me, do you mind if I have some wine? No, not at all. You go ahead. The sound of the wine being poured, the wine glass, her enjoying it, the smell of it, oh, it started to get a bit triggery. So I went off for a walk and I came back, you know, but then I started thinking about it on week three because it became really, really hard, started to become hard. Resentment started kicking in. I started saying things to myself like, why can't I have a drink? You know, why is everyone else able to have a drink and I can't? This isn't fair. Oh, why am I such a loser? All these different things. Because what I started doing is I had an uncomfortable feeling. And that uncomfortable feeling was probably resentment, which is perfectly normal. But instead of just experiencing resentment, I started building it up until I decided I was a loser. That I, I, why would anyone want to be friends with me? Why would anyone care? No one's going to want to hang out with me because I don't drink. I'm boring. I'm this, I'm that. You know, because what we do is when we have an uncomfortable feeling, first thing we'll probably try to do is avoid it. Don't want it. Why would we? That's fine. That's perfectly reasonable. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Why would we want to experience it? How about if I came up to you and said, hey, would you like to feel envious? No, <laughs> of course I don't. I don't want to feel envious. It's not an emotion I want to experience. Go away. <laughs> you know, or I start thinking about it. I start thinking about it. OK, oh, no, you know, um, this uh, what this must mean that that must mean this. And before you know it, you're in a really bad place. Or you start judging yourself, telling yourself you're not good enough or you're rubbish. And that's why you feel the way you do. Or worse still, you identify with it. It becomes who you are. I'm not a patient person. I'm an angry person. I'm whatever. I'm stupid. Whatever it is, you start identifying it, you become it. It's not sometimes I can be impatient. Sometimes I can experience impatience. Sometimes I can experience anger. I am angry. I'm an angry person. No, you're not. You just experience anger sometimes. 
you know that's it um i've learned that it takes 90 seconds for a feeling to soften or lose its initial impact <clears throat> this is really really important to understand now if some as it everyone here i'd imagine unfortunately has suffered from being hit in the gut and, and felt winded right everyone's had that feeling of being winded and when you're having that feeling of being winded it feels like it's going to last forever. It's horrible. You can't catch your breath. You, you, you feel really in a lot of pain and it feels like it's never going to go away. But guess what? It does. Unless we start doing something else that perpetuates it. Maybe we roll around. Maybe we start doing this to ourselves or something. I don't know. But the fact is, if we just allow an emotion, resentment, as we were talking about it, to just be for 90 seconds, after 90 seconds, it softens. It loses its initial impact. And it allows you to carry on moving forward. But that can only happen if we don't avoid that feeling, if we don't start thinking about that feeling, judging ourselves for having that feeling, or then attach and identify with that feeling, because that's when we take it past that 90 second window. So it's the avoiding, thinking, judging and identifying that causes the fear which perpetuates the feeling. After the 90 seconds, the if the feeling hasn't lost its impact, you're thinking about it. An example of that is, um, I am feeling lonely. So my experience, my emotion that I'm going through at the moment is loneliness. Very easy to start thinking about that. Oh, why am I lonely? It's because I haven't got any friends. Why haven't you got any friends? Because you're a loser. It's because you're worthless. Gosh, I'm, I'm a loser. I'm worthless. What's the point? What's the point of it all? Man, you've just gone from lonely to what's the point? In, in a very short period of time. Because what you did is you took that feeling and you fought it into a problem, you know? So it's really important that we just allow ourselves to stay with that emotion. And the trick here and the trap is identifying the emotion. That is very, very hard. Because a lot of people will say, I'm angry. You're not angry. The anger, the anger is a reaction. What's the emotion that made you angry? What led you to become angry? Well, I was resenting something. Right. So the emotion was resentment. You got angry because you were experiencing resentment. Very important to define that because anger, we can't do anything about anger, but wait. Wait until we're not feeling angry anymore. Resentment, I can ask some questions. I can start creating some actions. I can start doing something, you know? Why am I feeling resentment? What's led me to feel resentment? Well, I'm resentful because of this. Oh, what made me feel that about that? And so on and so on, you know? And then you can start changing it so that you don't feel resentment next time. Maybe it's a person that you resent. Guess what? Don't have to see that person. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you know, that could be the action. Harsh, but you can do it, you know? Or maybe you just prepare. Oh, you know what Stone says like? I'm going to have to put my uh, armor on tonight because they're going to be asking all these questions. Well, what sort of questions will they ask? Well, here are the answers I'm going to give. I'm going to prepare myself for this person. You know, you can take actions. You can prepare so that you know this person is going to make you feel resentful so that you can avoid them. And when you come in contact with them, you've got a few answers for the questions that cause resentment. Here's something, again, same guy, Maliki Dunn. He made this. He gave it to me from Lifetime Therapy. Amazing chap. He gave me this. Thing here and it just lists emotions um full disclosure he's my therapist so i work with him uh, on a regular basis and 
he quite often, if I'm experiencing something and I'm unsure about it, he'll bring this child and he'll say, which emotion is it? And then we'll talk about why it is I might feel that way about this thing. So have a look at some of those emotions. There's some really good ones. Contented, silly, playful, happy. I can't even read that word. Hopeful, infused, joyful, silenced, tethered, betrayed, punished. There's some powerful words in there. Some very powerful words, you know. You know, feel it, safety. It's an emotion. It's important as well. Not feeling safe. And that could be an emotional safety. That could be a physical safety. It could be anything. You know, stunted. You know, silenced. Oh, silenced is a difficult one to experience. And you don't always catch it. You feel silenced, but you don't know you're feeling silenced. You just feel frustrated about it, which might lead to anger. So you're angry about feeling silenced. That's perfectly reasonable when you think about it. You know, someone's not letting you say your bit. You know, that's really, really difficult. Really difficult. So <clears throat> what did I do about it? I realized when I was experiencing this, um, this problem with uh, what I thought was a craving. Okay, so I thought I was having a craving for alcohol. But then just as I like to do, I thought to myself, well, let's look at this. Let's break it down. Let's analyze it, right? There's no way that a bottle of liquid, yeah, is, has got any power over me. Truth. It's just a glass bottle with liquid in it. It hasn't got any power. It doesn't talk. It doesn't do anything. It just sits there in its bottle waiting for me to come and drink it or not drink it. So what's really going on? Well, it's not a craving because as soon as I have a craving, guess what? I give power to this bottle of wine. I've given it power because I crave it. So what's really going on? It's not a craving. It's a response. It's a reaction. Well, what am I reacting to? Well, I'm having an uncomfortable feeling, whatever it is. And I know that if I drink alcohol, that uncomfortable feeling will go away. So I'm going to drink alcohol. So that is it. It's a response. It's a reaction. Right. So how can I respond differently? That's the question. And a lot of the time you'll hear me saying there's a difference between a reaction and a response. A reaction is something you do. You react to it. You just do it without thinking. And a response is usually, it's usually that moment a bit later on when you reflect and you think, oh, I wish I'd done that instead. That's, that's the response. <laughs> that's what you should have done. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to respond instead of react at all times. First thing I want to say is that's not always possible. So be kind to yourself, be compassionate. You will get it wrong. You will mess up sometimes. Sometimes you react. Masterfully, kids are the best at this. They will make you react. They, they will play that game way longer than you will. <laughs> they, they, they are masters at it. And I'm sure you know that. I don't need to tell you that. So what I did is I came up with something called the ABC method. Now, this can be CBA. It can be done this way or it can be done backwards. I'll talk about that in a moment. But the first thing I have to do is accept the emotion that I'm experiencing. I need to know what it is. Yeah, I need to know what is the emotion that I'm experiencing right now. I'm scrolling through Instagram. I see someone's post. They've got loads of followers, loads of likes, loads of people have done compliments on there. Oh, makes me feel like crap. You know, I'm not doing as good as them. Look how good they're doing. What's the point of me doing what I'm doing? They're way better than me. Why would anyone come to me when they can go to them? Look what I've done. I've just fought it into a problem. Instead of thinking to myself, hmm, what is it about this post that's triggered me? Well, it's because they've done this and they've got all this engagement. Great. I've just learned something. I want that. Good. How can I get that? That's it. It's a bit healthier, right? It's a bit healthier than being jealous and angry and turning to the wine. 
So I have to accept the emotion. The emotion was jealousy. I was feeling jealous. So that is the emotion I'm dealing with. Okay. Now I know that 90 seconds will pass by and that emotion will dissipate a bit. It won't feel as powerful and I'll be able to move forward. But in that 90 seconds, it will be really, really tough. I will want to think about it. I will want to avoid it. I will want to judge myself or I want to attach to it. So what can I do in that time? I can refocus myself on my breathing. Yeah, I really, there's lots of different breathing techniques. Have a look up on the internet, type in breathing techniques, you'll get loads of lists. But the one that I love the most is box breathing. Box breathing is breathing in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathing out for four seconds, hold for four seconds. And you do that in a box like, or there's called silencing your breath. Yeah, breathing in and out as you would normally, but just trying to take the sound away. It's, 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 it's amazing how intently you will think about this <laughs> and it will take your mind off it for easily 90 seconds, sometimes a lot longer than that. And what that will do is it will get you through that very challenging, very difficult 90 second time minute. Then after that, you need to change that limiting belief, that feeling. OK, so I, I had to change it from that wasn't a craving. That was a reaction. I was feeling um, jealousy and I was reacting to it by wanting to avoid it and drinking alcohol. So what I've done is I've accepted the emotion. I've breathed myself through the 90 second period, which is the danger zone. And God forbid it's on something like Instagram where you can write a comment or you can do something that you're going to regret later. So you'll get yourself through that 90 seconds and then you will communicate with yourself what actually happened. Not what felt like happened, what actually happened. I was feeling jealousy. I breathed through it. And now I realize that it's something that I want to achieve. So I'm going to make it a goal. The other part of communication is maybe it's somebody else. Maybe someone just pissed you off and you need to communicate to them that they've done that. Probably not right away. <laughs> maybe let yourself calm down a bit later on. Say, hey, you know, earlier in the kitchen when you said that, that really made me feel like this. You know, can we talk about it? You know, you communicating. Most likely the other person, your partner, your, your children, whatever, a friend, they might go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. What I was thinking was this. And then they'll explain it to you and you'll realize, oh, I didn't need to feel like that. It was just a misunderstanding. Most of the time, I'm pretty confident that your partner is not out there to get you. They love you. They just said something in the wrong. We've all done it. We've all done it. We've all said things in the wrong way to somebody and, and they've mis, mis, misunderstood it. As I said earlier, you can do this the other way around too. You can communicate what's what's happening to yourself, you know, which has probably happened when you've been through it a few times. You've got, oh, is that thing again? You know, then you breathe through it. Then you accept the emotion because once you're aware of it, it's a lot harder to accept because you don't want to feel resentment because you know it's resentment. You don't want to feel it. You know, so at the end, you have to accept, okay, there I was again, I was still experiencing that resentment. It's good. It's a process. You're going to work through it. So the ABC method, accept, breathe and communicate. That tool I found really, really helpful. I really did because it's something you can do in moments that can be really, really hard, really hard. So <clears throat> challenge your beliefs questionnaire. These questions are brilliant for challenging your uh, limiting beliefs. So I don't know if people want to go along with it to start writing some stuff now. It's always good to get some stuff down on paper. First thing is, what is your belief? Write it down. Keep it nice and simple. What is your belief? What's the thing that you believe that, you believe that isn't true, isn't a fact, whatever it is? 
next question will be what evidence do you have to support that so this is a bit different you're actually asking what's going to support it and then you can tear that apart you know something like i'm not smart enough that's always a good one because you write i'm not smart enough and then you write i'm not smart enough for this and then you start finding evidence to support and you start realizing actually I've got a degree, I've done this, I've done that. And you start realizing actually this, this, there's, some, there's some holes in this plan. Charlie, you got a question, mate? Yeah, so <clears throat> obviously confidence is a bit of an abstract one, a bit of a tricky one. So could a limiting belief be, I am not a confident person? Yeah. Would that work? Yeah, yeah, I'm not a confident person. But what, what we would work to do, Charlie, would be to define what confidence means. You know, I'm not a confident person. Right. You, that's a very, very generalized. That's a very generalized statement, isn't it? You know, I'm not a confident person. Are you not confident to make a cup of tea? Yeah, of course I am, Johnny. Right. Okay, good. Then, then you're confident in making tea. What else are you confident in? That's what I'm interested in. What else are you confident in? <clears throat> and then eventually I'll ask you, okay, what are you not confident in? And you'll start to realize that your list of things you're confident in and your list of things you're not confident in is a bit skewed. And we start looking at what confidence actually means to you. What does confidence mean? It's a good question. What does confidence mean to you, Charlie? Oh, now you got me thinking. Confidence yeah. in, in what context, <clears throat> what situation? That, yeah. that changes it, doesn't it? Yeah. Give me, give me, give me just one, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going with the public speaking thing and um, being right. able to stand up with minimal nerves and articulate what you want to say clearly to the point, sort of, sort of deal with conviction. I would say. What about that's important to you? Um, Not being laughed at (laughs) from earlier. Not being laughed. Yeah, probably. What's what's important about not being laughed at? Being accepted. Oh, so is that what that means? Is that being laughed at means you're not accepted? Yeah. Yeah. Explain that. Oh, this is this is going deep. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah. So being laughed at means you're not being accepted. I guess it goes back to that tribal mentality, being outside the group, <clears throat> um, being isolated, being on your own. Maybe cannot being laughed at be um, not confident too. What do you mean? Sorry. So if I'm a comedian. Uh, or, or on this presentation, if I tell a joke and nobody laughs, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah. So if it can be two things, then context is quite important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe you throw a joke in there and nobody laughs. That's just as bad as being laughed at, right? Yeah, probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It's probably worse. Look at that. You know, so we've yeah. come from being laughed at means I'm not confident to actually it's worse if nobody laughs. Well, we're going to have to pick one now. <laughs> yeah. Or. Or is it possible that that's not important? Mm. And that is something else entirely. And this is what I mean about challenging your limiting beliefs. It's about really breaking it down and realizing that, hang on a minute, this limiting belief doesn't make sense. It doesn't mm. make sense at all. And once it stops making sense and you've started challenging it and questioning it, you can't unknow that, you know? And I guarantee you keep digging, you'll find it's something else entirely. You know, yeah. you, you gave me a very long list of things that are important for a public speaker, right? I bet you if we sat for long enough, we'd find a public speaker that does none of those things, but you still respect them. 
So yeah. it'll be about something else. It'll be about something else. And that's why it's so important to challenge it and ask questions. And it, the reason why this week gets so emotional for people is because that's what I do to them. I will, they will give me an answer and I will immediately have another question for them. And I will keep, you know who does that really well? Kids. They keep asking the question until guess what we say as grown-ups? Because it just is. Now sit down and shut up. Because yeah. <laughs> we don't have the answer. We don't have the answer because we've just realized that it doesn't make sense. You know? Yeah. And that happened to me a lot in the pandemic. My kids would ask me questions I didn't know the answer to. You know, especially when all that stuff around George Floyd happened and they started asking me questions about racism and they just didn't understand it. They didn't understand racism at all. I was trying to explain that some people don't like some people because of their culture or their color of their skin. And they kept asking why. And then I realized something. The fact that they don't understand is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I just left it at that, you know, because otherwise I'm going to explain racism to such a point that I might even turn them into racists, <laughs> which would be <laughs> terrible, right? Yeah. So it's really, you know, it's just about knowing, knowing when you've got to a point. Like I always say, ask why five times and you'll get to the root of the problem. Most of the time, when you ask the third why, you will get because it is. And as soon as you get that answer, you know that that person has just realized that they don't know the answer, that, that maybe the answer is not true. Maybe what they're talking about has got no base at all, no foundation, you know? And that's what's really important. We want to rock these limiting beliefs. We want to take away their foundations and start making them crumble. We want to give them nothing to stand on, you know? You are a confident person. I've seen you on Instagram. I've spoken to you on a podcast. We're doing this. We're having a conversation with people watching and it's being recorded. Other people will watch it. You are a confident person. Don't remind in, me of that. <laughs> in, in context, you're a confident person. Yeah. You know? yeah. If I told you to take all your clothes off, you might not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And that's where it changes because the context has changed, right? Yeah. You know? So <clears throat> the other thing is how old is the evidence? You know, if our value systems change and our belief systems change, are you believing in something that you believed as a five-year-old and now as a 25-year-old, it's just got no relevance, but you've still got the belief because you never took the time to question it because you never realized it was important enough. You know, we must question these limiting beliefs because otherwise they will continue to hold us back. And the thing about limiting beliefs is they've got infinite patience. They'll just wait. Yeah, at some point, I'm just going to creep into your life and I'm going to mess it all up for you. I don't have to do it right away. You know, this bravado you've got, ah, I could do this, I'll be all right, I've no problem. All of that gusto, all of that energy, that'll go. And then when it does, when you're feeling tired of your diet and you want to crack, there will be the limiting belief. Hi, feeling a bit tired, a bit hungry. You can't do this. You know why you can't do it? Because you tried loads of times and you failed. That's why. Yeah, you can't do this. Just eat the cake. You know, that's how that's how patient and and dominating a limiting belief can be, you know, especially when you're on your own, because guess what? You'll ask a question and answer it, mm. <laughs> you know, and that's why it's so important to get this stuff down on paper, to talk to somebody else about it, to get it out there, because you'll get different perspectives. People will challenge you. You won't like that they challenge you. And that's when you aggressively defend it. You know, like I said at the beginning. You'll sit there and go, no, well, it is true because, because, oh, go away. You really annoy me, you do. Oh, <laughs> okay. You know, week three is always, a, I have to put my armor on with week three because I get angry people every time. And then I get a text half an hour later going, sorry, uh, just, it's a really difficult topic to talk about. I know it is. Of course it is, you know, because it's the thing that stopped you from doing the thing you really want to do, you know, start that business, 
you know leave that partner find that partner you know get that promotion you know all these things are really hard it involves vulnerability it involves putting yourself out there and and risking getting rejected which is a horrible emotion to experience rejection feels so personal it feels like it's all about you but it most likely isn't it's most likely about something else completely that person already knew who had the job they just it was a formality we've all been in that situation you know where we've applied for a job and we know that person's going to get it but we've got to apply for it right you know or maybe you just didn't have enough experience a couple more years and you'll get the job maybe you just wasn't right for this job truth is if you'd got that job you wouldn't have been right for it and you would have failed at it or you wouldn't have liked it or something bad would have happened and then it would have ruined that experience for you so it's probably good that you didn't get that job you know there's always a way to look at it all the time. You just got to work towards it. You know, what does having this belief cost you daily? Now, what's its impact? We can blame all day long, but what's its impact? What does it actually do to your life? How unhappy does it make you? How much does it affect you? Because if it doesn't really affect you that much, is it worth worrying about? You know, but if it does every single day, then we need to focus on it. We need to pay attention to it and it will be uncomfortable and it will be difficult. But at the end of it, you will get past your limiting belief and you'll have a growth belief instead. If you no longer want this belief, what could you, if you no longer had this belief, what could you achieve? So now we're talking about what it costs you every day, but what if you didn't have it? What would be possible then? Well, I could do this, I could do that. Oh, great. This sounds like a really good life you're talking about. And all we've got to do is get rid of this limiting belief. Let's do that. Let's get rid of it. You know, let's clarify challenge and change and get on with it. Let's take action, you know? What if the opposite was true? What if you were confident? That's a good question. What does confidence look like? You know, what does confidence look like? Does it look like somebody that is the teacher's health coach who has a podcast, who has a community of people that he helps all the time? I reckon it could do, <laughs> you know? Um, what's the worst that could happen? So it happens, then what? Everybody laughs at you. Is that the end of the world? No. <laughs> Because knowing you, you've got a bit of banner, you've got a bit of charisma, you'll probably, you'll probably get through it somehow. I'm sure it's happened. What happened the last time everyone laughed at you? You just went, oh, whatever. <laughs> Is that really that bad? Not really, you know? But, you know, quite often it's like, I saw this thing about with Will Smith and he said that he had to go on a skydive. He went out with his friends, got drunk. And while they were drinking, they all agreed the next day they were going to go, go, gonna go on a skydive. He said he woke up in the morning with a, with a banging hangover and he went for breakfast thinking they ain't gonna go for a skydive that was just drug talk and there they were all standing there waiting to get in a taxi so he's driving in this taxi and the fear was building up he was terrified absolutely terrified he was like oh my gosh this is going to be terrible right gets there they go through the tutorial everything they start flying up there he said that he's strapped to this guy <laughs> sitting on his lap talking to him you know so it's like the worst situation ever he said, and all this fear happened, yeah? And he said, they're standing by the door. And they said, right, we're going to count to three and then we're going to jump. And he said, one, two, and they jump on two because everyone grabs on on three, yeah? So they jump out. And he said, it was the best experience he'd ever had. The scariest part was the bit leading up to it, you know? It's the bit before. All that fear that we have about what it is we think we can't do, that's the bit that's bad. Because most of the time when the thing happens, when the worst thing that you could think of happens, it's not that bad. You will live to fight another day. 
worst case scenario, everyone makes fun of you for a little while. There's the guy that did that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you banter about it and then you become thing. Before you know, everyone's talking to you about it at the Christmas party. You know, It's really not that bad, you know. But the bit before it, oh, <clears throat> could have made you quit. Probably did at some point, you know. And that's the power of limiting belief. That fear that builds up, because that's what it's all about, fear. All about fear. The worst thing happening, you know. Um, how is it getting in the way of achieving your goal? That's important, you know. If you want to start your business and your limiting belief is, I can't run a business, we've got to, we got to sort that out. What do you mean you can't run a business? What, does that, what exactly, what is it you can't do, you know? Start getting specifics. I mean, it isn't where you want to run a business. It's just that you're not very good with maths. Great. Get an accountant. Sorted. Let's move on. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the way it is. There's always a solution. And if we focus on the solution instead of the problem, guess what? The solution gets more and more. It grows. It, it gets nurtured and fed. If we focus on the problem, guess what? The, it gets nurtured and fed. The problem gets harder and more and more, more sort of dense and, and difficult, you know? So, um, what are you prepared to sacrifice to achieve your goal? How important is it? How important is it? You know, that's what we're trying to find out. Um, what could be the outcome if you continue to live with this belief? I'll tell you something. The reason I'm the self-development coach and I have a podcast and a school of self-development and a superstar program is because I don't know whether it's going to be successful or not. It's already successful. Great. But I don't want to get to 90 years old be sat there wishing that I had tried because there'll be nothing I can do about it. And that's the worst thing I can think of. Sat there at 90 years old, wishing I had tried and not being able to do anything about it. So guess what? I'm going to try, you know? And that's what I don't want to happen. I don't want the outcome to be me getting to that age and not trying. If I get to 90 and I tried and it failed, I'll be very glad I tried. I know that. You know, I know I will be. I tried. I can sit back and I can, I can make peace with I tried and it didn't work. I can't make peace with wondering what would have happened. You know, I will not be able to make peace with that. That will destroy me. I know it will. So that's what I'm going to try. <laughs> um, what would need to happen for you to change this belief? Okay, now we're starting to get to the action. What do I need to do? What can I do? What will I do? What will I do? You know? Um, what could you do to begin the journey of changing this belief? All right, good. So we've got all these ideas. We know what we want to achieve. What's the small action that I need to take? So maybe it's a phone call. Brilliant. When are you going to make it? Tuesday. What time? What are you going to say? What's the phone number? What if it's an answer machine? What are you going to say on the answer machine? If someone answers or calls you back, what day are you going to call them back? Give yourself no excuses. Make sure that you've put everything in place so that you can get that first thing done, that one phone call that starts everything in motion. You know, let's really start to get to the, you know, because we can, a phone call can be, can knock on for months. Oh, I'll ring them next week. I'm busy today, you know, and I'm busy all week actually. So I'll ring them next week. And next week I'm busy again. Before I know it, I, you know, I'll do it next month, you know. So easy to let that happen. All it is is a phone call. And once you make that phone call, loads of things are going to happen after that. And that's maybe what you're scared of, <laughs> you know, because it's always about fear. Uh, and then the last question, uh, what would tomorrow be like if you were to let go of this belief? Imagine I said to you, okay, Charlie, I've clapped three times. Tomorrow you'll wake up confident. <laughs> what would it look like? You know, 
What would tomorrow look like? What would you do with this newfound confidence? Probably not a lot different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then you've got to ask yourself, is it really a, re is it really a problem? No. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, you know, it isn't. But you're maybe not ready to hear that yet. <laughs> uh, here's the nice thing. What I sometimes get people to do is, I didn't realise this, but through the, through the, between the age of, I think it's one and seven years old, we our, our sort of subconscious and our conscious mind are open and together. And we are able to take in information and process it at an accelerated speed. Yeah, this is how we live our life in able to make sense of the world around that time span. But what I didn't know was as we're falling asleep, that moment before you slip into room, you experience the same thing. So what I got people to do was record their growth beliefs. Yeah, and play them to themselves while they're falling asleep. And somebody came up with this amazing story that I'm going to read to you now, right? It was about their limiting beliefs. And tell me, at the end, I want you to tell me, Charlie, what you think their limiting belief was. Let me just close this down a bit. So once upon a time, there was the beautiful princess who was clever and beloved by all, all except one, a wicked witch that was jealous of the princess. One day, the witch placed the curse upon the princess that doomed her to a lifetime of believing that she was not pretty, not smart, and would never feel enough in the world she lived in. The witch would live in her dreams and would remind her every night that she was not pretty, smart, or enough. The princess was tormented and suffered her whole life until one day she was given a cure. This magic elixir enabled the princess to shrink down to be small enough to go into her dreams and destroy the witch with self-worth, self-love and self-respect. The witch didn't stand a chance. Once the princess realized that she was beautiful and smart and had always been enough, from that moment, the curse was lifted. She still remembered what the curse felt like and some days had to remind herself that the curse was lifted, but she felt free happy and believed she was capable of anything so this this lady played this to herself every night and the reason she didn't make this story is because when she was a kid between the age of one and seven she believed in princesses and witches and things like that so it was a really like warming story for her to listen to but it was about her so i asked you to guess what it was but i forgot that it's blatantly in there like she didn't think she was pretty she didn't think she was smart and she didn't feel good enough in the world. But the trick, the truth was, she was pretty, she was smart, and she was enough, you know? And that's really important to tell yourself that, you know? So she put it in this lovely little story. And I've had people use Jedis and all sorts of stuff to tell this story, all the things that they liked as a kid. It's really important that you, you tap into something that means something to you. You never have to tell anyone about this story. You don't have to tell people, oh, yeah, every night I play this to myself. I probably feel you're a bit bananas at first, but like it's for you. It's for you. You know, it's for you to start believing in yourself. And you have to be your own cheerleader because most likely people will be jealous. People won't believe in you or won't want you to do well. And that's okay. That's their thing, not your thing. You focus on what you're doing. You know, you're trying to create growth beliefs so that you can prepare yourself forward and get rid of them limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs can come up again in life, you know children having children brings up loads of limiting beliefs am i a good parent am i a good dad you know did i make the right decision there parenting is really tough it's really tough and you've got to cut yourself some slack 
just like being a teacher or a business owner. You know, you're not going to get it right every day. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to reflect on them and you're going to learn and you're going to move forward. That's all part of it. Every single successful person I've met makes mistakes on a regular and they, and they, and they make so many now that they just write them down and learn from them, <laughs> you know? So that's really important, you know, and creating them growth beliefs is really important too. Ooh. So again, part of the sheet is just a little walkthrough to help you sort of work out how you're going to write your own story, you know? So taking your limiting beliefs and your growth beliefs and then weaving them into a story that you can tell yourself, you know, every night. It's something that's worth giving it a shot. You know, not everybody does it. Some people think it's really silly. Some people absolutely love it. Never met anyone that's sort of been different about it. People either think it's really silly or they think it's really great, you know? So something you could do, a nice little tactic that I've seen work really well with a lot of people. And here's a nice little quote. I always like to finish with a quote. If you accept a limiting belief, then it will become a truth for you. Simple as that. You know, if you accept it, it will just stay there. You know, but as soon as you unaccept it and you start challenging it, well, anything's possible. <laughs> and that's the truth. Um, thank you for listening to me. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've taken something from it. Um, I'd love to have you follow me on Instagram, School of Self-Development, the Self-Development Coach. I put loads of videos and podcasts up on my YouTube. And obviously there's my website. I'd love to welcome you over to the Super Self program. There's many ways to do it. The first one is you can do it an online only. It's an eight module course that's on demand and you have a lifetime access. It's 199 pounds. That's the simplest way to do it. Um, it's really, really good. Lots of people get great results. I had somebody a little while ago and she's given me permission to tell her story. But during the pandemic, um, unfortunately, um, her daughter took her own life. One of the worst things that I can ever think of. Just absolutely terrible. And not even two years on, when we, she worked with therapists um, who dug into some of the past things, but therapy is all about understanding yourself and, and looking into things and, and, and trying to make sense of why you've done things in the past. Coaching is all about how you're going to move forward. She came to me one day and she told me her story. And uh, what she'd done is she'd set up an organization here in Cornwall to help young ladies that are struggling, which I just thought was absolutely amazing. To do that with your grief is, is something else. But she said to me, Johnny, I'm sick of feeling sad. I want to I wanna look forward to my future. And we're going to do a documentary together soon because her story is so powerful. Um, and she said to me the other day that she's the first time in her life she's excited about her future. She's made plans for her future. She's got all these different things that she wants to do. But the big thing that she told me that I couldn't believe was that she has, for the first time since it all happened, has managed to come off antidepressants. And uh, I just thought that was unbelievable. <laughs> I really did. I just, um, you know, and the thing is, you know, as a coach, as if I'm trying to sell you a course, maybe I should say, oh yeah, and that's all due to the course. But the truth is, it's due to the work that she did. It's due to her being brave enough to go through that, to look at her values, to look at her purpose, to look at her limiting beliefs, her motivations, her environments, the people, places, and things that surround her. And she did that. And that was the result she got. You have to be ready to do it, but it's a very powerful course. Um, alongside that, if you want to, you can also have me coach you after every session. So you, you do the session and then reflect on it um, with me. And we'll talk about what some of the things that you've come up with mean and how you can do them differently. Sometimes people need that. Sometimes people don't. 
Um, but it's a really powerful course. I'd love to welcome you onto it if you would like to do it. But otherwise, thank you very much for listening to me and I look forward to doing this again. Cheers, Charlie. You're on mute, mate. <laughs> yeah, that'll help, wouldn't it?